Sons and daughters, love and laughter, tears and sadness and happiness. We will find out our sons and daughters are what we too were once about. This is Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoo. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Totally Obsessed. I'm Dan DeBoof and Jane Gazzo is my guest this week talking about what she's obsessed with. She's a TV and radio presenter. You've seen her on Channel V, Recovery. She was on BBC Radio. She's on Triple M. She tweets at Jane Gazzo. And this episode of Totally Obsessed hits a lot of my sweet spots for the ideal episode of Totally Obsessed. First of all, it's a topic I know nothing about, so I spent the whole time learning. It's a topic my guest has never had the chance to bang on about before, so my podcast is living up to its aim of giving people a space where they can nerd out about something, and it's touched her life in so many different ways. It goes all the way back to her childhood. It was her link to her home when she was overseas. She even managed to meet one of the stars and nerd out with them. Jane's obsession is Sons and Daughters, the 1980s Aussie soap opera. Before there was Home and Away, before there was Neighbours, this was the biggest show on Australian TV. And even if, like me, you know nothing about it, first of all, great, you'll learn. And second of all, Jane's joy at being able to talk about this show is palpable. So it's a very fun half hour. If you like it, share it around, give me a glowing and effusive review, chock full of praise on the iTunes store or a five-star rating. That makes me feel so good about myself. Um, But get ready to feel so good about yourself for listening to a great podcast. This is Jane Gazzo, and she's totally obsessed with Sons and Daughters. Um, now, I, I strictly forbade you from anything music-related, even though you wanted to talk about music-related obsessions. Yeah. But um, so it, I'm sorry about that. That's all right. It was tough because when you asked me about my obsessions, yes, they were all music-related, and I realised how sad that was because <laughs> you said, have you got anything else? And I'm like, I could not think of anything. Oh, is it one of those things where it's like turn what you love... Uh, your passion into your work and you'll never work a day in your life but then sort of you kind of go but that means I don't have a passion anymore well it's totally like that and I love speaking about my Mm. passion you know and and not not about my career forget the career it's just about those early childhood things that made me tick and made Mm. me want to do what I'm doing so I got you to scratch your head a bit and to sort of uh you know um think outside the box so what is your obsession my obsession, Dan, is feels like I'm at AA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't worry, it's a no judgment space. Open up, okay, let uh, it out. My name's Jane, Jane Gazzo. I'm a sons and daughters Australian soap groupie. 
<laughs> oh, God, that was tough. Now, talk to me a little bit about sons and daughters. Um, well, for half an hour at least. Um, give, give me an example of uh, what kind of a show this is, what kind of context we're talking about so I can get a real feel for it. Paint okay. a visual picture for me. Well, it was created by Reg Watson and Grundy on the Grundy organisation. Now, if that means nothing to anybody, they were responsible for such hit shows as Prisoner okay. slash Cell Block H, The Restless Years, which was another great soap, Wheel of Fortune, Neighbours. They went on to do Neighbours after okay. Sons and Daughters, Richmond Hill, uh, and a lot of uh, police dramas, a lot of game shows. I mean, they have been part of the Australian television landscape probably since the late 60s, early 70s. So, yeah, there's a couple of things because when you said Wheel of Fortune, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I remember after Wheel of Fortune, they'd be like Grundy television production mm, or something like mm, that. This is... Yeah. So they didn't invent Wheel of Fortune. Obviously, that's oh, an no, American thing. Oh, no, of course thing, not. Yeah. <laughs> but they certainly made the show yeah. here. And they got a lot of uh, American shows and redid them for the Australian market. And um, would I be correct in sort of um, assuming that Reg Grundy's Australian slang for undies Correct. comes from this exact guy. Yes. But he's not Reg Grundy. He's Reg Watson from Grundy. Yeah, but I wow. think there was a Reg Grundy as well. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Reg Back Watson then, Back Reg then, Reg everyone was called Reg. Everyone was called <laughs> Reg. Yeah. So they saw what was going on in America, yeah. the good old Grundys, because that's what they did. Yeah. And they saw that Dallas and Dynasty or Dynasty, yeah. those American soap operas were doing so well because they were glossy. You know, they featured larger than life characters. They were about wealthy people. And in the 80s, greed was good, remember? Oh, yeah. So they were certainly inspired by what was going on in America with those soaps, Dallas and Dynasty. So they decided to create a local one and okay. see how that fared. Were we getting Dynasty and um, Dallas and whatever here in Australia? Yeah, we were. Okay. We were. I like the idea that the people in Australia back then, because you're on the other side of the world, it's like, I don't know what's going on over there. I'll, eat, I'll, I'll, I'll watch or I'll consume whatever's put in front of me, you know? Yeah, like, yeah well, they were massive hits here yeah. in Australia. We gobbled them up. So it kind of made sense to do our own version. Okay. And the first episode of Sons and Daughters went to air on the Seven Network on the 18th of January, 1982. Okay. Mm. All right. They made 972 <laughs> half-hour episodes, Dan. Yep. Far out. And I was there from the inception. So I was a very young child when that first yeah. episode aired, which starred Peter Phelps. Now, that name I'm sure is familiar to you. No? Yeah. No, I want to say Water Rats. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 great. And, of course, brother to Karen Phelps, who's recently got into the uh, elections there in New South Wales. Oh, she was recently voted yes. in. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh. so I was there at the beginning, and I have been there and been there for repeat seasons and repeat seasons. All right, so this was the show in your house, like, what was it, like 7 p.m., or was it like the show exactly. you'd watch over dinner, mm -hmm. like, shut up, family, 
Sons and Daughters is on. And the hilarious thing was, whatever had happened on Sons and Daughters the night before, I would usually recreate with Barbie and Ken <laughs> a day later. You know, they all had the same names as the characters in Sons and Daughters. And, um, yeah, I would often uh, play out because it was just so, to me, it was such a glamorous show. And I say glamorous because you had Rowena Wallace, uh, who was one of our premier actresses, and she'd been in a number of uh, well-known uh, TV shows, uh, right, you know, right throughout her acting career. Mm. But this was the peak because she was playing such a bitch. <laughs> she was playing Patricia Hamilton and she was from a rich family. And, and, and the creators were very clever because they knew that TV shows rated mostly in those days in Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. Okay. Know, because the population back then, I think was only 15 million. So yep. if you wanted a hit show on your hands, you had to rate in Melbourne and Sydney, forget, forget the other country, forget the rest of Australia. Yeah. 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 So what they did was they set it in both Melbourne and Sydney. So you had one family, very rich, wealthy family called the Hamilton family, which Pat the Rat was part of, Rowena Wallace, living in Sydney. And then you had a working class family called the Palmers uh, living in Melbourne. Wow. So, of course, this appealed to both Sydney and Melbourne people. And it would have also fired up, like, maybe this is where, I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, colonial or whatever, but it really would have hit that button of the whole like, oh, the posh snobs from Sydney and the, you know, the AFL supporting, you know, Melbournians. We do it. We know it. we're real Australians. That they Sydney just, Melbourne rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I could being a girl growing up in Melbourne, I could relate to the Palmers because I was from a working class family too. Mm. You know, we didn't we didn't have a lot of cash. And, uh, you know, they weren't poor on the show, but they were certainly, you know, you, know there were, you could see the differences on screen between, you know, their modest, their modest little house, which was actually a, a house in Albert Park that is still there. I have been there. I've done the whole <laughs> locations tour with sons and daughters uh, and the massive, massive mansion in Sydney, which actually belonged to Dr. Jeffrey Edelston, who used to uh, wow, yeah, own yeah. the Sydney Swans. And of course he's made, he made headlines a couple yeah, of years ago. Gabby back Greco me. and oh, exactly. all this. Yeah. So that, they used the exterior of Dr. Jeffrey Edelston's house uh, oh, for Sons and Daughters for Sydney. Oh, he would have loved that too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Wow. This is so great. Like so much of like modern Australia was basically a spin-off of this fictional show. <laughs> this is mind-boggling. And it's also that strange thing where it's like, you know, control the media, control the <laughs> cultural landscape. Oh, okay. So, you know, you would watch this and and internalize these plots. You know, you say plots. Oh. Sons and Daughters was notorious for OTT storylines and cliffhanger episodes. Yes. Because it, it aired initially Monday to Thursday, seven o'clock. And to get you to <laughs> to get you to watch the next one the next night, yeah. it would have a, a cliffhanger of a of a of a finish. And it would usually freeze on whichever actor's face was in that storyline. That was and apparently according to uh, <laughs> actors who were on the show, if you got that freeze frame at the end when the credits roll, oh, oh you, that you, was because uh, you, you knew you were gonna be the hot topic. The hot topic, you were the star of the show. Around the you, water coolers exactly. and also like with the kids playing with their dolls, like you were going to be the storyline. Now I'll just take you through some of the yeah, storylines yeah, 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 that sons and daughters did uh, did dish out. Uh, lookalikes. Now lookalikes <laughs> seem to come up 
often over the uh, five years that Sons and Daughters was on air. Yeah. Uh, to spring to mind, Wayne Hamilton, who was played by Ian Rawlings, who would later turn up in uh, Home and Away, uh, suddenly went missing and a lookalike that looked exactly like him, same actor playing him, surprise, surprise, uh, came in and tried to pretend to the Hamilton family that he was Wayne, but he wasn't. His name was Gary or something crazy like that. Oh, so that. it wasn't like an evil twin. It was just a random dude. Yeah, it was a random dude pretending oh. to be Wayne Hamilton while Wayne Hamilton was missing in parentheses. <laughs> Another one was uh, when Beryl Palmer from the working class Melbourne Palmer family uh, had a had a lookalike who uh, one of the characters believed was his mother. It turned out she wasn't his mother, but of course, Leela Hayes, who played both <laughs> Beryl Palmer and Ruby, that looked like <laughs> Beryl Palmer. Are you confused? I'm confused too. But you mentioned twins. Twins would suddenly, oh, yes. out of nowhere, it's like watching some of those Mexican novellas, you know, <laughs> uh, twins would just rock up out of nowhere. And I th- or I think when they ran out of storylines, it's like, let's bring on the twins. Yeah, sister. Absolutely. And Pat the Rat suddenly, oh, well, Pat the Rat's story is fantastic because Rowena Wallace played her successfully for three years and won the Gold Logie for Best Personality, you know, that at the height of her career. Yeah. But then she made a fatal career error and she left the show believing she was perhaps bigger yeah, than the show. Yeah, she'd outgrown it, yeah. And wanting more ac- acting opportunities and they didn't come. But what had happened was also that viewers turned off because their favourite character, yeah. Patricia Hamilton, Pat the Rat, the bitch, was no longer on air. So what they decided to do was bring back a bring her character back, but they sent her to Rio to have plastic surgery. <laughs> so she came back, but she was played by a different actress, Belinda Giblin. It was just as beautiful to look at as uh, Rowena Wallace. So she's had plastic surgery, comes back. She's playing Alison Carr, but really she's Patricia Hamilton and she's going to get revenge with all the people that did her wrong. Wow. Uh, now, so it's like the reverse of a lookalike. A reverse you know? of yeah. a lookalike. Just bring it. She's had plastic surgery. She comes back as a new actress, but wow. she's still the same person and nobody knows that it's really Patricia, that Alison is really Patricia. So she tries to get revenge on people. Now, this was all going fine and dandy until... Patricia, the real Patricia Hamilton wanted to come back on the series. They thought, well, let's get her back. Let's get Rowena Wallace back. They bring her back as Alison Carr's twin sister. Of course. Oh, my Lord. So they had a character. The actress wanted to leave. So they brought her back as a different actress with plastic surgery. And the actress wanted to come back, so they brought her back as the twin sister of her initial role. Was she then playing, like, let's say Pat the Rat was the evil twin. Was she then, like, the nice one? Or she they... was the nice one. Wow. Pamela. Pamela was the nice one to Patricia Hamilton. I've always, like, you hear of soap operas where the evil twin turns up, but I've never heard of one where the lovely twin turns up. That's just... And, you know, there was... There was long lost sons suddenly, mm. suddenly coming out of the woods, and then there would be, there'd be this plot line between two characters, and you find out finally at the end that that character was his mother all along, and she knew that he was her son all along. But oh, oh my sounds goodness. fantastic! How did they handle the two cities thing? Like, if it's set in two different cities, did they like meet up in Canberra, or what? What was the system? Well, how I know what. What I know about that is that the actual show was filmed all in Sydney. Oh, and what okay. they used to do was they used to send their 
cast down to Melbourne and get exterior Melbourne shots. So, for example, the first episode starts on the um, spire of the art centre where Peter Phelps has climbed the spire of the art oh, centre in Melbourne. I mean, you can't get any more iconic than the yeah, yeah. art centre spire. Uh, and they used to yeah, get iconic locations, get their, their actors out the front of it, and, you know, they would start a scene. If it was in Melbourne, they would get the house that it's set in mm. in Melbourne uh, and, and they'd work around it that way. But but for the most part, it was filmed in Sydney in a studio. I bet, though, when, like, you were a kid, you'd think, oh, what if I'm walking down the street and I bump into Pat the Rat or, you know, like that would be like, because you'd expect them to just be hanging out in Melbourne. <laughs> of, of course, oh. of course. Well, you know, Judy Nunn, who, of course, made her name more so on Home and Away than any other. Okay. Than any other show, uh, Elsa on Home and Away. Oh, it's it's all. It's a, yeah. It means nothing to me. Well, I, I, I'm, it'll I was, mean something. To I was in a Seinfeld and Frasier house, but I know that people listening are going to know exactly what you're talking well, about. Judy Nunn, you'll know her. She was on Sons and Daughters for quite some time, <laughs> and she was always knitting a pair of booties for a baby that I don't think ever came. <laughs> but just in case, <laughs> like the producer's like, give us some knitting because you never know. And Judy Nunn says she couldn't knit to save herself. So every night a uh, one of the workers, uh, one of the crew would take home the knitting and do a bit more for the filming the next day, so it looked like. And uh, she used to get letters sent in to her saying, oh, can we please get the pattern for the uh, baby clothes you were making on the show for the young baby that never eventuated. Do you think this is like, because back in the olden days, it was like less of a a broad media sort of uh, offering. So you can't watch a thousand shows on Netflix or something. Do Do you reckon that was why this show captured Australia so much? I think, yeah, definitely what you say there, but it was also aspirational to an extent because you had such a rich and wealthy family and you had conniving people. I mean, I'd never seen such conniving people on screen before and it goes into their business dealings. You know, the the rich Hamiltons of Sydney were always doing business and uh, Wayne Hamilton, the son of the, the, the patriarch and matriarch of the Hamilton family, he would always make sure that these deals were, you know, he'd get the best out of every deal so he would double cross people. The first time I heard the word blackmail was on uh, Sons and Daughters and, of course, I remember asking, what does blackmail mean? And this was a constant theme always where, you know, a character would see someone doing something and blackmail blackmail them. Yeah, well, great. if you don't do as I tell you or don't pay me $5,000, I'll blackmail you. Freeze frame, credits, <laughs> straight exactly. up to the bedroom, grab yeah. your dolls. <laughs> so it wasn't that it was, uh, you know, it wasn't a given that this show is going to be amazing. It genuinely is. Like it, it has that beautiful thing of number one, perfect time, perfect place, but mm. also being a great show in itself. So yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, look, you look at it now and you go, oh, my God, the acting, how did they get away Have you looked at it that? now? Of course I have, yeah. Well, the wonderful thing was I watched the entire entire season when it was first screened in yeah. 7 in the 80s, but then I moved to London in 2000 oh. and it was then screened on British TV at 5 o'clock in the morning. They'd play two episodes back to back. Now, because I'm a homesick Australian <laughs> yeah. and because I remembered it so fondly from my childhood, I began watching it, but I'd tape it, obviously, um, you know, wasn't getting up at 5 and I would tape it and then I'd get up in the morning and watch my two episodes and I fell in love with it all over again. Wow, the that's bad amazing. sets that were falling apart. I mean, they were cardboard sets. Is it kind of like when you go back to your school as an adult and everything looks so weird and you're like, what? No, that was different. Like, 
No, that that wall was so much taller back in the day, you know? Like, do you, watching it again, were you a bit like, not ashamed, but it was kind of like, wow, I can't believe I was fooled by that or I believed that or I got so caught up in it? I just fell in love with it all over okay. again and so did my British flightmates. They loved oh, it. They would have, it would have been such a cliche as well. Yeah, because they'd never seen anything like it either. And the storylines were quite gripping. I mean, um, Posey Jacobs, who wrote a lot of the scripts for Sons and Daughters, went on to do Neighbours, write the, write the screenplays for Neighbours. Uh, but w- also what happened, because I loved the show so much, I found the British, re- British arm of the Sons and Daughters fan club run by a lovely guy called Graham and I <laughs> vowed to make friends with this uh, group and I went to some sons and daughters meetings in random pubs in Brilliant. London so we could talk about our love of sons and Amazing. daughters. Amazing. What kind of people were there? Were there Aussies, Brits? It was mostly Brits who had wow. fallen in love with the show as much as I had and we had a lot to discuss and what I decided to do one meeting was put together a quiz just to, to challenge them on how much they knew. Fantastic. And that really uh, kept us entertained. And when the head of the fan club, Graham, came over to Australia, we went on a tour with Tom Richards who was David Palmer in the, um, in the soap. And he took us on a tour of locations around Sydney. So we saw the boarding house where Fiona <laughs> lived and we we saw Wombai, which was a very integral part of many sons and daughters' uh, storylines. And um, uh, I think, yeah, we saw the... I, I've seen the Palmer House, as I said, in Melbourne, but yeah, it, it was just it was just wonderful because we just loved the show. Wow, that is so fantastic. I hadn't, like, again, this is one of my favourite things about doing this podcast is, like, when someone first says what their obsession is, you go, cool, you like the show or yeah, you like this. But then when you find out that on the other side of the world, like some people are getting sent Tim Tams by their family, <laughs> you're taping this 5am, like, yeah. old, like it would have been two decades old yeah. Australian yeah. sort of soap opera just to have that sense of home. And my favourite thing to do when it when I would replay it in the morning after it aired is tape the theme song. The theme song was integral to the the show. I think it was sons and daughters, love and laughter, tears and sadness and happiness. Oh. We will find out our sons and daughters or what we two were once about. I would tape this and play it down the line to all my Australian friends in London and they thought I was hilarious. Oh, wow. You were working in radio there, weren't you? Yeah. Did you ever play it on your show? No. You weren't allowed to? No. 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 I've never sung that theme tune either, Dan. I know. That was, I was actually going to, I was like, I might ask her to sing it, but that might be a bit forward. And you just went straight (laughs) into it. And I was like, yes, yes. Yeah, and it was a great place for actors who had kind of been sent set, set, sent out to retirement, I think, yeah. to come back to. I mean, there was always work with Sons and Daughters. You know, you could play a minor character or a major character. One character that springs to mind was Normie Rowe's character. Now, Normie Rowe was a massive pop star in Australia in the okay. 60s, around the time when just, just before John Farnham had had started in the 60s. Um, he was massively adored. Certainly in Melbourne and Sydney, he had a couple of couple of hits. And um, and then then he went and fought in the war, much like Elvis did, I guess. Yeah, okay. And, and you know, no one kind of, his music career was over once he came back from, from Vietnam, I think. Yeah, Vietnam it was. 
Uh, so he turns up in this soap in the mid-80s and revived his career again uh, with this sex siren called Abigail who played his wife, Caroline. Uh, well, eventually marries her in the series. Uh, Spoiler was, alert. Was, yeah. <laughs> We're talking 20, 30 years ago. Catch up, Dan. <laughs> Abigail was this sex siren from another a TV show called Number 96. And number oh, I've 96 heard of that one, yeah. Number 96 was daring in the yeah, day. Yeah, that was like the first saucy show. Yeah. Saucy and also had themes like homosexuality yeah, okay. and, you know, sex before marriage, which wasn't a thing then. And, and yeah, really really had uh, some quite colourful characters in it. So Abigail was quite popular in that series and, again, was able to revive her career, I guess, her, fla- her acting career, again, in, in Sons and Daughters. And there were people like Simone Buchanan, uh, who would later turn up on Hey Dad, Cornelia Francis, yep. who played Barbara Hamilton. She played, she was a bitch <laughs> in, um, in Sons and Daughters. And then she went on to Home and Away and then The Weakest Link. Exactly. And people like Ali Fowler, who would form a band called the Shantuzies, who are still playing and, and playing today. And, of course, Peter Phelps, who did Water Rats and has become, I guess, an international actor. So there were quite a few people that got their start, start there. Now, this is obviously, like, it's so obvious just listening to you, listening to you sing, watching your face light <laughs> up, hearing about how this got you through your time in the UK, all these things, right? It's obvious how much of a place in your heart this show holds. Yes. Um, did you then sort of progress on to other Australian soaps, possibly the more well-known ones like Home and Away and Neighbours? Did you ever get caught up in that or were you more like, that is my show, I've seen it, and then you never went on to anything else? Well, when Neighbours started back in the day, because Sons and Daughters, sadly, the declining ratings just went down and the, the storyline... Post-Pat the Rat? Post-Pat okay. the Rat. The, the, the ratings went down and when they bought Pat the Rat back as Pamela... Yeah. Uh, it was a it bit of a did, reach. Yeah. So I think it lasted six seasons. It was 1987 it lasted. And okay. They gave it a red hot go. They really did. Uh, but yeah, by 87 it was all over. Uh, and those... The people that created Sons and Daughters went on to do Neighbours. And um, I was there with Neighbours okay. from the start in in the absence of a good soap and Sons and Daughters. And Neighbours came with great fanfare. Uh, so I watched it from the begin- from the very beginning. But, yeah, I guess. Something I, was missing? I, I kind of, yeah, kind of lost interest <laughs> after about two years, I think. After Scott and Charlene's wedding, I think, I think it was all over for me. And I've never, never connected with a, a soap opera the way I did with Sons and Daughters. Okay. I tried with Prisoner because Prisoner was on again when I was growing up and my mm-hmm. parents would watch it. And I've watched reruns through the years and I've really enjoyed Prisoner and it's up there with Sons and Daughters for me. But I certainly don't know the ins and outs and the intricacies the way I know Sons and Daughters. For me, I think that is the one and only soap opera in my life that what did, I've, I've taken. What did it feel like when Pat the Rat left? I wondered how I was yeah. going to get through because there was a real gaping hole in that show because she made such a presence on the yeah. show and she was so felt. And they had tried to put other bitchy type characters okay. in because they knew she was obviously leaving. And so they had this woman called Karen Fox who uh, re- was a conniv- very conniving, certainly in business, uh, and a, a couple of other uh, kind of bit part players that were certainly on the Pat the Rat tip. But um, they really needed Alison Carr, i.e. Pat- Patricia, who'd gone to Rio for a plastic 
plastic <laughs> surgery to come back. And then when Alison Carr came back, that was brilliant for me because she was such a brilliant actress as well. And um, and so for me, it revived it. It kept me glued right to the end of 87 when it finished. I think it's so fantastic that you almost like got to experience something like this, mm. like that you were there from day dot and, and especially because it, you were so young and, and I guess when you are young and you watch things, you kind of, I think you can't quite work out what's real and what's fake. And I think especially seeing your own city there, even, I mean, when you were young, did you know it was filmed in Sydney or did you? No, I yeah. didn't. So I would see land, Melbourne landmarks and get quite, quite proud. Yeah. And just being able to almost lose yourself in something like that so much. I mean, and then to be on the other side of the world two decades later, more, and to be able to go like, wow, to have that emotion flood back. It's like you put a little bit of your soul in a show. It's like a Horcrux or something. Like, that's so cool. I can't tell you how excited I was one time when I went to the Sydney Opera House to see to see something. And there was Alison Carr (laughs) in all her glory. Like she was there in person and I freaked out. Like I literally had a meltdown and it was intermission and I was just like, oh my God, Belinda Giblin, so lovely to meet you. Oh my, biggest sons and daughters fan and you know, the the gibberish that came out of my mouth. And I think she was quite touched because it's, you know, we're talking 25 years later since that, since she was on the TV screens. And I think she was genuinely touched that somebody, A, recognised her and B, wanted to chat sons and daughters. And we're class, of course, we only had limited time. We're in intermission of a, uh, a stage play or something. But um, I was, I had to get my, got my photo with her, but it was just so but wonderful. You, you've got a line of work where you are often like put in front of people's idols or, or famous musicians or whatever. And you have to sort of, you know, do you, do you get nervous? Are there like huge rock stars that you feel that way about? I I have got that way in the past about certain rock stars, certainly. Do you know what it was? It was the fashions of the 80s and the way they wore their hair and their makeup and they always looked amazing. And as an impressionable young girl growing up in suburban Melbourne, that was just so idolising. It was so interesting to me. It was as wonderful to me as watching Countdown and seeing all the pop stars on, on screen, you know, because it was done so brilliantly at the time, I guess. Uh, so yeah, so, and, and because, because you have a vested interest in it, you want to talk about it with the actors. So yeah, it was pretty special. Did you buy the magazines to like, with there's, cause there's two types of magazines. There's the magazines that are about the show and there's the magazines that are about the actors in real life. Yeah. Was that so, sort of magazine t- system built around this as well? Well, TV week was yeah. the magazine of choice back in the day. That's mm. what you read to get all your TV gossip. And they would often feature sons and daughters on their front cover, actresses, actors, actresses of sons and daughters and the plot lines and, you know, interviews with the actors. Um, so that was the one that we, I would get every Saturday and read cover to cover. Was it, um, but this wasn't like stars without their makeup and stuff no, like that. No, we didn't so have that it, yeah. those days. It was all about the fluff, the PR of the show. And I think why I loved it so much is because... They were like superheroes. You know, when you talk about how they're all dressed up and all this Mm. sort of stuff, it's like you never, like, I'm sure like these days, if you love a celebrity, you can pretty much Google them and find them from their most unflattering angle pretty quickly. But 
back then, it was like, yeah, I guess these people who were so much larger than life and so well put together and all this sort of stuff, and but also combined with the mundane as well. And of course, you know, there wasn't a thing like Botox in those days. All the women were actually yeah, really <laughs> legit, beautiful, yeah. <laughs> legitimately beautiful, you know. Of course, and you had that, I mean, you had the dowdy actresses as well that were playing dowdy character roles, etc. But yeah, they were just beautiful. And, you know, I, what I loved about Sons and Daughters is when someone had done their run or done their, their six episodes that they were contracted to do, their character would suddenly just go to the Gold Coast, for example, was it was a you know, was a place where <laughs> a lot of characters ended up or, you know, going 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 north was often was often somewhere where the characters would go to be ba- closer to their family members. Banished to Queensland. Like, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that was I just loved where the how they would write them out. Oh yeah, yeah, no, she's she's gone she's gone up north to see her family. Yeah, she she won't be back. So <laughs> That was it. They were written out for good, never to come back. Well, I love that you got to meet um, Belinda Giblin. You know, yeah, like Belinda a, me- Giblin. Is the, a member of the cast, <laughs> face to face. Um, I can just, I can imagine what you were like and how you came across. But if there is, like, if, if in some strange quirk of the internet, someone from the show was listening right now, like, what would you say? Do you want to thank them? Like, what would you? We will find out our sons and daughters are what we two are once about. I'm imagining you in the opera house forecourt, like in your theatre clothes with this woman who was on TV like a generation ago and you just singing that to him and her being like, yeah, okay, my champagne has arrived, so I might just have to... Put it over the loudspeaker. Yeah. Everybody needs to know this song. The show is off. <laughs> oh, Jane, thank you so much. Thanks for letting me walk down memory aisle. I just love, yeah, I just love that it was so special. Again, like the way these things can transcend. Like, yeah, I, I like a TV show, but yeah, to to at one end of your life grow up, this shaping the way and bringing a little bit of magic and a little bit of like oh, a little bit of fairy dust into your life when you're a little kid. And then at the other end of your life, when you're, you know, top of your career broadcasting like on the other side of the world for it to be able to provide you like I don't know to sort of fill a hole in your heart you know yeah childhood and otherwise and country patriotic comfort and childhood comfort yeah and I would say if you have half an hour to spare and let's face it we're all on our phones these days yeah we all do (laughs) check out the YouTube clips of various episodes of sons and daughters, yeah, it'll great. give you a great laugh. You'll There'll be s- the cheap sets, the bats, <laughs> some of the bad fashions from the poorer families of sons and daughters, uh, and, but the now outdated fashions. Um, but just some of the characters, like Charlie Bartlett, was a favourite of mine, <laughs> played by Sarah Kemp. She spoke like that, and she had her dog always on her lap. Oh, brilliant! You, you know, she was she was a particular favourite of mine. She spoke like that, and that was always great to get your Barbie dolls and talk like that with, and play out the scenes the next day. Oh, great! And while you're watching that, and you're laughing at it, and thinking of how cheap and retro it looks. Just think of how much it meant to you. Yes. (laughs) Obsessed. Oh, thank you so much. Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBooth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan DeBooth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel 
and the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Kutri. <laughs> 